Did you know the basis of what Jesus taught about our humanity was established in what he endured as he was tempted in the wilderness by Satan? Three temptations. The first was to put physical desire above spiritual need, turn those stones into bread. The second test was a test of the love of God by jumping from the temple. It was a test of trust. And the last was to grab the world with both hands and consume it for his own sake. It was a test of what he would worship and live for. And all three were an attack on his basic humanity. Hello everyone, I'm Joe Van Hoogen, and this is The Bread of Life. This program is brought to you by Church Partnership Evangelism and the Bread of Life Fellowship in Boise, Idaho. To learn about our reach around the world, go to traincpe.org, and to learn about our missions fellowship, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Our humanity, we were made spiritual beings who governed our physical bodies, not the other way around. You are not your impulses or your desires or your sexual identity. You are spiritual, made for a spiritual relationship with God, a trusting, not testing relationship with Him, a relationship from which you live not for your self-satisfaction, but for His worship and glory. And this is what makes you human, and this is the basic humanity Satan attacks when he tempts you. If you go the other way, if you seize these things for your own benefit, well, then they, they actually begin to corrupt you. They even corrupt you, even if they're good things, or wonderful things. You snatch the fruit from the tree before it's ripe, and it will be bitter to the taste and will destroy you. God is sovereign. His time is right. You submit to him by doing what he desires. You submit to him, and you worship him, and you honor him, and then these things, these things become blessings in your life in God's time, in God's plan. The temptation here was to subvert God's plan and God's time and to get it straightway. What happens when you go after things straightway, you basically are making yourself a God. You're making yourself the sovereign. You're making your own choices. And you, you think that you're claiming that thing and bringing yourself for your own benefit. That's what happens. I'll just take this part of life and I'll dive into this part of life and I'll experience this thing and have this thing for myself. And what you don't realize when you do that, like a God somehow consuming these things for your own glory and satisfaction. And what you, when you do that, what you don't realize is that you're, you'll find yourself bowing before a devil. It'll destroy you. It's not good for you. You'll never experience the blessing in it. You'll, in sense, be banned from the garden of God's blessing when you live that way, and we have. So when is the right time to claim what God has for us, what God has made us for? Well, we come to it in our spirits, and we come before God as a spirit to know Him and to experience Him and to be instructed by His Word. And as we're cultivating our spirit before God, God begins to prepare us for those good things He has in our lives. When we give ourselves in trustful, confident relationship with Him so that we know and we rest in Him and He can bring the blessings to us in His timing, then, well, we're in a position where we can experience at the right moment. Whenever we come to Him in this way, what will happen is our life will begin to be calculated so that Whatever we do and whatever we experience and whatever we gain for ourselves, we want to do it as an expression of our worship and our desire to delight in God and to experience Him and to enjoy and delight in all that He's given us. When that happens, when God begins to cultivate us in that way, then and only then do we approach the purpose of our being, that we were made for worship, and our fulfillment comes in the enjoyment of all things as an expression of our worship and our glory in Him. That's it. God knows all these things. The great sin in our life and in this world comes as a result of people rushing to the glory of created things for their own self-satisfaction, of putting their hands on life so that for a moment they may be the God of that thing and consume it for themselves. 
Jesus taught that we were made to worship God. We were made for God's pleasure. We were created to love God, and we were created to love God with all of our strength and with all of our heart and with all of our mind. And as we did this, we would find our great delight and our great joy. Jesus said of himself, as a human being, he said that it was his meat, it was his satisfaction to do the Father's will. He said that he came with a delight to do the Father's will. He declared that it was his desire in living this way that he might give this joy to all people. I've come that men might have my joy in them and that their joy would be full. And his joy was this delight in glorifying and worshiping God in this way because he knew this is how we were made. Well, let me give you some things in conclusion here. Jesus knew us. He knows human beings who knew that in all of us that we had this created order, that we were prepared for these things. And Jesus also knew that in all these things we had failed. In sin, we had consistently put the physical above the spiritual. In sin, we had lived not trusting in God, but using our distrust to push ourselves further away from God's purpose and design for our lives. In sin, we had lived to grab hold of the world as gods and instead found ourselves bowing before and worshiping devils. That we hadn't worshiped him as we should. We hadn't brought glory to him and served him as we should. He knew that our essence was spiritual. He knew that we were made for a trusting relationship with God. He knew that we were made to worship and serve God but he knew that we had failed in following our design, that we had sinned and fallen short of God's glory. And obviously, when this is true, not only do we fall short of God's glory, we fall short of the glory of ourselves that God made us for. There's a unique glory to be found in these very things, being a spirit that was made to commune with God, a glory to be found for ourselves in in, um, being in this confident relationship with God and trusting and resting in in him. A glory to be found in the exultant place of worshiping him, of receiving all the benefits of life for his pleasure and his satisfaction. And when we fall short in sin, we don't just fall short of God's glory. We fall short of the glory that God had made for us and for us to experience. Jesus knew all these things. And he came to earth to be a human being where we had been made to fulfill all these things and to be all these things and have failed, Jesus came to fulfill it perfectly and completely and fully. He knew that we had been made for these things and he knew that he was going to come to answer the very things we had been made for in himself. Very shortly before Jesus went to the cross, maybe only a couple weeks before, he had gone on a great mountain with three of his disciples and there we're told that he was transfigured and that his body shone out with a great light that was so brilliant they couldn't even look upon him. And I believe that this glory that was manifest in Lord Jesus was not his divine glory. If you want to read about what he looks like in his divine glory, go to Revelation chapter 1. I believe what was happening at this moment was he was manifesting the glory of a sinless, perfect human being. I think in a sense... What the Lord Jesus was doing was he was, in a sense, dressed in this light in the same manner in which Adam and Eve were dressed in communing light with God in the garden before they sinned. After they sinned, the light went out and they knew they were naked. But before that, they were clothed in the brilliance of this moral glory. And the Lord Jesus came and he fulfilled the design of the human being. He didn't exalt the physical over the spiritual, but he communed with the Father. And he said, the Father is always with me. He submitted to God's will in every way. He didn't push himself away from the Father, but he drew near in a confident relationship with God. And and even in the garden when he wrestled, he said, but not my will, but thy will be done, resting in the Father's will and purpose for his life. 
And he sought about everything else to glorify God. And so in his high priestly prayer, he praised God, I've glorified you. I've glorified your name on earth. It was his great desire, his great design. And he shone in a brilliant expression of the glory that God intended for all of us there on that mount. And then, after that, not long after that, but a few weeks after that, we find this same sinless, perfect, realized human being being brought before a crowd that's calling for his crucifixion. He'll stand before them, and Pilate will call out to them and say, as he introduces Jesus to them, Behold the man, bleeding and battered with a crown of thorns upon his head. And there he is, just like us. A wonderful integration of the combination of the physical and spiritual, living in complete and confident relationship with God, living even in that moment for God's glory, now taking upon himself our sin, our failure in these very areas, so that we could be restored to him, so that we could know what we were meant to be through him. Here's an application for yourself. Just when facing temptation, put the spirit before the physical. Put the spirit before the physical. When you see yourself or feel yourself being overwhelmed by physical temptations to satisfy yourself, remember, remember what is your essence. Second, trust God and live in confidence before him. Don't let your doubts justify you jumping from his arms into a free fall. God will catch me. If he really loves me, he'll catch me. That's a temptation and a lie from the enemy. You're putting God to the test. It won't draw you nearer to God. It will draw you further away from and isolate you. Check yourself when you're trying to seize something in the world, even if it's a good thing. Are you doing it for God's glory? Can you bow before him in it and serve him? Is your great desire above everything else to glorify and worship him in the midst of all the bounty that he places in your life? And when you find that you failed, go behold the man. Confess your sin. See the perfect sinless man before you who died for those sins. Let him come to you and cleanse you. Receive in him and from him through his spirit, that one who can live in you his life so he can make you what he knows you were made to be. A super abounding spirit in communion, restful communion with God, living for his glory. That's our purpose. That's our design. Let's bow our heads and pray. God, seal the idea and the thought to the minds and hearts of all of us. If we would live prudently and wisely, we must know the enemy's tactics. But we also must have a thought and an understanding that's beyond him. The wisdom that comes from eternity. The wisdom that is fixed in our Lord Jesus. We must yield to that wisdom and bow before it. God. So many experiences of life are interpreted by us as lies. They're interpreted by in such a way, communicated to us through the accuser who would seek to drive wedges between us and our true selves, what you would make of us, and drive a wedge between us and our Savior, 
drive a wedge between us and you, dear Father. Oh, God, give us wisdom. Spirit of God, be alive within us. Awaken us by your convicting work so that you would show us sin when it's coming near us and these sinful temptations when they're drawing it upon us. Awaken us so that we might turn back to them and cast ourselves in submission to you and rely upon you and let you, oh God, renew your life and your design in us. Lord, we pray for our family members and friends that don't know you as a father. They know you, Lord, as this figure that's distant apart from the, they have not found this saving relationship with you. We pray to your God that they might see the sin in their life, confess it, realize there's a provision that has been made through Jesus Christ, the only provision available and the only provision necessary in his sacrifice for their sins. They'd believe and trust in him and oh God that they'd be restored in that life, brought into that life, which you begin to mold them and shape them into the person that you had made them to be. Lord, may our lives reflect the reality of this transforming work, being continuously molded. May we demonstrate in our life as the years go by the power of a spiritual man being made new in Jesus Christ, that is, living in dominance over the physical. May we, O oh God, demonstrate this man is, is sinking deeper and deeper into a place of rest and confidence in you and that our great delight is to worship and glorify you above everything else. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. Go to traincpe.org to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to Bread of Life Boise. Until the next time, God bless you.